The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. One and all, it is Fantasy NBA Today. It's Thursday, December the 10th. We are 12, it's unbelievable actually, 12 days away from the start of the NBA season. Countdown mode is actually way in the past. We're so far past countdown mode. This is, uh, I mean, we're almost in in fingers land. We're, we're at the tail end of fingers and toesville right now. Um... Good. Anyway, hello to everyone. It, it's it's mind blowing how close we are to the NBA season, and it just doesn't feel like it's that close. Which I guess is part of the weirdness of this year. But like, you know, I I, I always watch. This has nothing to do with anything. Like, I don't even know why. I, well, whatever. I, we'll we'll pull back the curtain every once in a while on this stuff. Um, I always watch the way that that podcast listenership tracks. I find it to be in, in sort of incredibly. Uh, illuminating in, in kind of understanding how people are consuming their basketball and just comparing this run-up to the season to every other one that I've seen while doing an NBA, a fantasy NBA podcast. It's so different. Like, the, I mean, we can go to as recently as a month ago. A month ago. Like, no, early November. Almost nobody was paying attention to the NBA, even though it was starting in six weeks at that point. It was right around the corner. Compare that to a normal early September, and just think about what you were doing last September. Because there is that long offseason built in to a normal NBA season turnaround. The finals end in June. You have the or yeah, you have the draft. Uh, immediately thereafter, you have free agency about two weeks after that, and then there's sort of nothing. Like, you have free agency in early July, and then there's really nothing. You have Summer League, I guess, that pops up, what, towards the end of that month, and that's your little, your taster for a couple of weeks, and then it goes back to being quiet for a month, and then in September, you start to hear all of the getting into the season stuff. Uh, normally, in the beginning of a September is... Like, right around when things begin to pick up. And this year, things didn't pick up until, like, two weeks ago. Like, within basically three to four weeks of the start of the season. So instead of six to seven weeks in front, it was like three. And even then, you feel like people are dabbling a little bit. Like, you're just going, oh, is it time to get into NBA now? And a lot of times people are like, eh, no, not really. It's real, guys. It's really starting in 12 days. That's so crazy. That is so absolutely positively insane. I just, I wonder when it's all going to truly catch on. I don't know. Anyway, hello. I, three minutes on I can't believe the NBA is coming is a pretty stupid way to start a podcast. But here we are. Uh, again, Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Please do throw me a follow. It is D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from HoopBall. It's so much easier that way. Google search Dan from HoopBall, and hit me up. We got a couple things, as usual, that you can bug me about. It's not bugging. I actually like it. If you want to get in a HoopBall league, we are on the wait list right now. But for the second time this week, the wait list got full to a full 12 teams for a particular format, and so we opened one. 
So, you know, I said maybe you're out of time, and maybe you're not. So that's the beauty of it. If you still want to get into Hoop Ball League, hit me up immediately. This is really last chance kind of thing. And in the worst case, we put you on a wait list. If a league doesn't open up this year, you'll get an email next season when they open if you're on the wait list. So you'll get that first email saying, hey, leagues are open now. Jump in now before we start closing them off. So that's a great reason to do it. Again, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Or you can email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. If you don't have social media, teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com is the email address. If you didn't hear back from me and you did send something, send it again or check to make sure you got the email address right. Because I think that I've replied to every single one of you at this point. I try to do it as quick as I can to make sure that folks that ask can get on the wait list as, as soon as possible. Also, uh, thank you to those of you that reached out yesterday about our open DFS slot. There are a handful of you now that are kind of in the pipeline. It's not closed. Nothing is done. Uh, so if you want to be part of our DFS team, this is the time to do it. Uh, there are many of you that I, I you know, I, I spoke to a few of you guys on, on Twitter to, to kind of clear things up. If you are good at DFS on any sport, not just NBA, this is a, this is a year round thing. Hit me up. You just never know. We got podcast spots on the DFS side, uh, article spots on the DFS side, and um, and Discord chats with folks. So, like, we need we need good folks that can work under Micah Patria and Santino Cocone. It's a great spot. Again, at Dan Bespers or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Right as we started recording the podcast, Paul George has signed a max extension with the Clippers. That'll guarantee him as much as $226 million over the next five years. So says his agent, Aaron Mintz. Who, I mean, you had to know he was never going to the Lakers. Mints and the Lakers uh, loathe one another at this point. Woj tweeting that out 19 seconds ago. That's how quickly we got that info to you. So Paul George, max extension to stay in L.A. That is, you know, presumably a good ch- a good sign for the Clippers retaining Kawhi Leonard because both of those guys were set to be free agents at the end of this year. They both had kind of the two-year trial period, but but PG said, I'm good, man. And so he's setting down his roots with the clip show. So that happened. And, uh, you know, not that I got to break it very quickly here because you won't listen to the podcast for at least another hour. But regardless, I said it really fast after the news broke, and I'll always know it. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk to one of our own here at HoopBall, the great Adam King. And I, I saved that one for today. I have all these incredible hits with... Uh, fantasy basketball luminaries right now. And I've, I've pre-recorded, like, well, you've heard, what, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. You've already heard three. I have another four that are already recorded at the time of this, and I'm recording two more this afternoon. So I'm actually stockpiling hits with luminaries, and then it comes down to me figuring out what order that I want to present them to you in. Well, I wanted to get you Adam King's notes today because I think they're they're uh we get into some stuff that's relevant to the COVID season, which is what's coming up here. Uh it's also one of our longer hits, which I thought was cool because from a basketball news standpoint, there really wasn't a whole lot that happened yesterday. Uh fantasy wise, you know, we we already talked about some of the shifting ADPs on Yahoo. I have some things I want to go over uh on Friday's show that'll sort of peel us around the turn into next week and then next week 
it's going to be a lot of mock draft stuff. That's where we, re- I mean, normally we start that like a month ago, but this is the condensed off season. So uh, that's the plan here coming up. Um, I have two hoop ball related things, but we'll save those for uh, after the hit with Adam. So let's just dive right into that. We'll talk to Adam King here coming up right now. Greetings, fellow Hooper. That's how I want to start. I got to say hi to all hoop ball guys like that. What's up, Adam? Uh, not much, Dan. Just good to be here. As we we said, it's early uh, early in the morning here, so I'm I'm just having my coffee and got the kids off to school um, and and getting ready for for holidays over here, which is nice. So looking forward to a, a almost a two month break from from my day job. So I'm, that's exciting. You are now because we we fell back in daylight saving in Pacific time, and you guys. Did you guys jump forward an hour also we recently? Did. You did, yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense from a hemisphere standpoint. So we are now, I think we're 19 hours apart. Am I getting that right? I, it's it just, we'll pull back the curtain here. It's about a little after two in the afternoon where I'm at. Is it nine in the morning for you now? It is, yes. Wow, that's crazy. You're almost yep. an entire day ahead of me. What a world. Almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've lined up my, my leave with the start of NBA, and so my days will just be filled with basically getting up and having breakfast, and then the basketball will start and run through to the end of the day. Geographically, this seems insane to me, but I think it's because we've I've looked at... Like, I know how they warp maps to make things look more land-heavy over the years, um, but it seems insane to me that... There's there's technically now only a five hour difference between us. Uh like I mean Hawaii is actually I think Hawaii is only two right now because of daylight saving, but like five hours the other way is Brazil. Are 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 you really just that far west? I know you're quite a bit south of me on the globe, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like we're we I feel like we're closer in time than we are in in real physical distance. I, we're getting, yeah. I'm getting a little deep on today's podcast. <laughs> we are, yeah. It does feel like that sometimes, but um, uh, maybe it's a flat earth, so who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> well, you didn't draft Kyrie in this mock, so I don't know where we're going to go on from a transition on that one. That was, uh, no. that was Jonas, so maybe I just segue over and do the Jonas segment. Uh, he yeah. is the great Adam King, by the way. I, I, I just said hello to you by first name. Uh, Adam, you are a, uh, you're a, you're a assistant grand poobah of all things writing over at Hoopla. I think that's the official title now, right? Yeah, that'll yeah. do. Okay, there you go. Uh, Adam, of course, is with us at Hoopball. We are very, very lucky to have him. He's at AdamKing91 in the Twitter world. You should follow him there. And sometimes I get a little, uh, a little too friendly. But the whole point of this, as has been for uh, all of our little guest segments over the last however many days at this point, is to go over the mock results from the industry mock, the video that we put together on December the 1st. And so I guess we can just dive right in if you're ready to go, shall we? Let's go. Why not? Pick number three. Adam King had pick number three. He began with Anthony Davis. I guess, I mean, what what question do I really ask there? You know what? I'll just, because Anthony Davis is such an easy one, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate as I did uh, in talking to Alex Rickleen with James Harden. You know, what? what are the downsides to AD this year? What would make someone reticent about him I, I have to assume a number one is rest is there anything else that gives you pause or is just a, you know you kind of you you grit your teeth and you just hope that you know only a handful of trips to the locker room and then you get in your normal ad the rest of the time 
Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's really just the rest, and it's already been announced that that he's got load man. His load management has been mentioned for for the first preseason game. So I'm hoping that's not a trend. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, uh, I'm I'm pretty happy to get him at, at number three, and and my only concern is is some games rested. But I mean. You look at, at a few players through through the first round, through the through the draft entirely, actually, and and rest and and COVID. There, there's all sorts of factors that could come into play this season. So, um, yeah, no, look, I'm more than happy to get him there, and that's I've, he's a, it's a good start to a roto draft. I think getting him at three. Yeah, I got no real. Uh, like, I, what am I going to do? Pretend like I have issue with Anthony Davis in the first round? That's just that'd be just disingenuous. So let's save most yeah. of our analysis time for the rest of your guys. Uh, Jimmy Butler, towards the end of the second round, this would be pick number 22, which, honestly, it makes sense. Like, I have I have issues with Butler this year, kind of the same ones I have with AD, although, you know, one of the differences there is that Butler played, I think, like 48, all 48 minutes a game <laughs> during the playoffs yeah. and was already resting games. And, of course, you have a little bit of an easier path to just get into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. But, again, you know... We're, we're talking end of the second round now. So I'll kind of pose this question the same way as, as the AD question, which is, you know, at what point is, when is it too early for Butler? How many games do you see him playing out of 72? And, you know, what, what are the sort of floors and upsides for, for a guy like Jimmy, where again, the year is sort of dependent on how many games he plays. Yeah, it is. I, I think um, Miami are a pretty good, like they're a very well-run organization. So I think that they're, they're going to manage their players. Are they going to be smart about it? Um, and <laughs> they're, as we saw last year, they're not necessarily going to be pushing for that one or two seed. They're, they're more than happy to head into the playoffs um, sitting in the middle of the East there somewhere. Uh, so I think in terms of games played, I mean, barring any injuries, I, I could see him sort of, I don't know, anywhere from sort of low 60s to mid 60s. Um, and and look, to be honest, I think if you run through, as I said with, with um, AD, you run through any number of players there. And I think that's the, the ballpark you're looking at for games played this season. I think there's going to be um, a number of players that, that just sit out the odd game. Um, there's going to be more back-to-backs, that sort of thing. So I, I would sort of have him sort of middle of the second round, back end of the second round. So I was happy to get him there. He, he wasn't the first player on my list. I think there was um, – I was looking at Paul George. I was hoping he would, would fall to me, but um, Josh took him a couple of picks ahead. Um, so, no, look, I'm, I'm happy with, with Jimmy Butler there, and, and he was a first-round guy last year. So um, per game, he'll be fine. It'll it'll just be hoping that, that, he, um, that he plays – a decent chunk of games and, and maybe they look at limiting his minutes a little bit rather than games. That That's what I can sort of hope for. So Butler last year, 34 minutes a game, 20 points, uh, 6.6 rebounds and six assists, 1.7 steals, a lot of really good looking stuff. Kind of amazing when you think that, uh, and obviously nine free throws sort of artificially deflates 13 and a half field goal attempts per game, but he actually didn't take that many shots for the heat who, hmm didn't really I mean they they said they were going to run it back and they really did there were I mean there's almost no changes in Miami so at least from a handicapping standpoint 
it's pretty easy to get an idea of what you expect from him on a on a game to game level, right? Yeah, I think so. The the only thing I would I would sort of that would be nice would be for him to to score a bit more, but but as you said, he doesn't take a lot of shots and he doesn't need to. And he, and he never has really. I mean, he's never he's never been a, a high volume scorer like the the top of the first round guys like Lillard and Harden and those guys. So you draft him expecting him to be scoring sort of high teens in points. Um, but he, as you said, he offsets that with um, good free throw percentage and and he gets to the line. I mean, he'd be he'd have to be. Uh, sort of scanning through the numbers. He'd have to be sort of a top 10 guy in terms of frequency uh, at the free throw line. So um, no, look, more than happy to get him there. And, and and his floor is is decently high. So it's it's really just games played. As one little note on Butler, because I, I think maybe I've been a little bit too hard on him on this podcast, um, largely because of the, the fear of rest days. Last year is actually a really interesting comparison for Jimmy because he played in only 54 of their 65 pre-bubble regular season games, which is about an 83% clip. If he replicated that this year, uh, 83% of 72 is uh, is 60. So basically, if he hits 60 games this year, this is a dozen. I mean, that's that's a relatively large number of games to miss. So I, you know, it's not a I don't know if we think he's mm. going to miss more or less than that, but let's say it's close to that. All he had to do is duplicate this most recent season. Like you said, he was a first-rounder. He's basically right on the turn uh, in per-game value. And by totals, even though he missed 17% of his team's games, he was still number 17 during pre-bubble mm. action. So it's that weird phenomenon where, where guys that put up really big per-game stats can actually afford to miss a handful of games and still be near the top of the board. And so again, I you know, I turn back to the draft we're talking about here. You got him at 22. He actually has room to miss more than a dozen games and still beat the spot you got him at. So I, I think maybe I've been too hard on Jimmy. If he really is falling to the end of the second round, he's kind of a no-brainer. But let's move on to the third round guy. I, I actually, I think I like Jimmy Butler more than people expected me to say I did. Freddie Van Fleet is your third round pick. I've seen him falling a little bit. Did you take him earlier than you've seen him go in your other drafts, or is this about where he's been going for most of your stuff? No, that's probably a bit higher um, than than I've seen him um, go. I know I, I did a draft on the weekend, I think, and I, I got him uh, in the possibly even in the fourth round um, in that draft. So, yeah, look, it, it's... It's possibly a fraction high, but um, I just I needed some assists there and some steals um, to to sort of pair up with Jimmy Butler and lock those in early. Um, and I look, I, I mean, I have a feeling I had him in quite a few leagues last year, and I think he was a second round player. So, um, and I mean, Toronto haven't made any major changes like like Miami. They're, they're basically running it back. A few changes in the middle, but. Um, in the in the, the center position, but um, again, it, it will come down a little bit to, to how many games he plays. He had a few injuries last year, so hopefully he can he can avoid the the injury bug this year and and play uh, again. Mid sixties would be great if he, if he could reach that mark. Yeah, I agree. It it, it, it I mean. It... The the places he's going in drafts astound me. I know his his Yahoo projection is kind of mid to late 30s. His ADP is actually later than that, which, I don't know, I find it 
I find it fascinating. I think his ADP is, let me see if I can pull this up on the fly, uh, 42, which, you know, I get it. He missed a bunch of games last year. He played 48 of their uh, pre-bubble games, which, which made it hard for him to sort of stay afloat on the total side. But he was number 28 on a per-game basis with kind of, like you said, running it back. There really isn't anybody coming for his touches do we think his do we think his steals come back at all? I don't know. I mean, I've seen metrics that show that he's basically been one of the best steals guys throughout his entire basketball career outside of like one year where everybody kind of shaped their opinion on him. He he's a guy that seems like and, and you know, you got him probably closer to where he should be going, but it seems like he's generally going too late. Yeah, look, I think uh, I think he still get I mean, even though he had he was had such a good year last year. I think he's still overlooked a little bit as as an elite point guard, and in, in terms of the steals, especially. I mean, I think he had one point nine last year, which would have to have had him right near the top. Um, there would only be someone like Ben Simmons probably ahead of him. Um, so yeah, look, I mean, you sort of think of him as a as a player that you would be drafting for some threes and assists. Um, a good free throw shooter, but it's really the steals that bump his value up there. Um, and so that's one of the reasons I was sort of happy to reach for him a little bit um, is just to get those steals. Um, and, and again, I mean, he drafting him um, following Butler does hurt my points production a little bit. Um, neither of them are, are, are huge volume scorers. Um, and I th- I think when we sort of work through, I think I had to chase points a little bit towards the end in my draft um, with my last pick anyway. Um, so, no, look, I'm happy to get him there. I think, I, I, as I said, I had him last year and when he's on the court, he's pretty reliable and, he's, he's again, his floor is, is quite high. And, and, look, Lowry's not getting any younger, so... Maybe this is the the year that Lowry sort of takes a bit of a hit, and and Van Fleet is a, is able to pick up some more of those stats. Towards the end of the fourth round, you got yourself a Gordon Hayward flavor sensation. Um, why why are why are people down on Hayward this year? Uh, this doesn't really have anything to do with your pick. I just you know, really more of a uh, a question around him as a basketball. Is is it fear of injury? Because his stuff all seems relatively fluky. I know he missed a bunch of games last year, but he's, he, he seems to be going to a place where his usage should be on the rise in Charlotte. Why is his ADP like 10, 12 slots below his per game numbers from last year? Explain to me why you think Gordon Hayward is trending this direction. Uh, look, it's hard to know. Cause I've, I've been more than happy to take him at this spot in, in a lot of drafts. Um, and, and look, I mean, maybe it's just, that injury, the injury um, concern. But as you said, I mean, he had the the bad leg injury, which was a, a freak thing. Um, and then last season, he was relatively healthy, he had a, a sort of a, a fairly severe ankle sprain at the back end of the season there. Um, but other than that, um, he, he wasn't, he wasn't particularly unhealthy. And I think he's just not, he's one of those players who's not overly flashy or, um, overly attractive when it comes to fantasy. He just, he just chips away and he, he does what he does and going to um, Charlotte, he, he's going to have to be at least option two, but probably option one. Um, and he was a top 50 player last year in Boston with, with all that talent around him. So I, I don't see, I think I got him at what pick was at 46. 
uh, yep, that's back right. into the fourth. Yep, 46. So right on where he finished last year. And, and I don't really see how, at least on a per game, um, from a per game perspective, I don't, I don't see how he could regress at all going to, to a team that's got far less talent on the floor with him. So, um, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm happy to, to grab him there. And, and I have seen him go higher in, in some drafts where I'm perhaps drafting with, again, more educated or, or people that are more invested in, in fantasy. Um, because those that, that, a new to fantasy, I guess, might not see him as, as I said, one of those attractive targets. But those that have done fantasy before would be aware of, of what he did in Utah and um, and the team that he's with now is is less talented than than both Boston and Utah that the, the teams he was on. So, yeah, look, more than happy to get him there. And I think I think Alex said uh, I listened to that podcast this morning, um, and he said he was he was probably going to take. Uh, Haywood there as well, as I'm sure a few guys might have. Yeah, it's it interesting to hear that because, again, this isn't a guy that's generally going in the 40s. Um, and, and so, I, you know, in talking to Alex, he was like, I thought I thought one of these guys would get to me, and then he only got one of his the, the two that he was targeting in that one. Looping around early in the fifth round, I think this would be pick 51, you got D'Angelo Russell, who by all accounts is set to have – uh, a lot of stats this year, um, nine categories. So the turnovers do matter, but his free throw percentage has, you know, seemed to settle into a, uh, now kind of a positive. He was number 60 last year. I mean, that feels like a relatively decent target on a per game basis. If he's durable, he, you know, he hits his mark in the fifties. This feels, I don't know. This feels relatively safe by all accounts for you here. Was this a safe play on your board? Yeah, it was a safe play. Um, and again, assists uh, are going off the board pretty early in drafts this season. So um, I grabbed him there. He, he, he's a decent scorer. I mean, he's playing alongside uh, Towns now, but but he's still going to get sort of low to mid-20s per game, I would think. Um, and the turnovers are a little bit higher, but I think my four, my first four picks were, were reasonably... Um, solid in terms of turnovers. So so I could afford to take a little bit of a hit there. Uh, and, and I mean, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to turnovers, really, um, even in nine cats. So yeah, look, I think, again, he's fairly safe there. Um, he, he was, uh, what have we got in the rankings? 50, he was a mid 50s in the rankings last year. Um, so I, I don't sort of see any reason why he can't sort of put up similar production and finish around that that same sort of spot. So there's perhaps not a lot of value to be had here, but but I think I can um, lock in assists um, by picking him up um, here and, and then not have to worry about them uh, f- sort of once we get to the back end of the draft. Your sixth round pick was pick number 70. You went with Derek White out of San Antonio. We heard he's, uh, I think this is after our draft, we heard that he was dealing with, what is it, a toe thing right now? Yeah. Does that worry yeah. you? Does that worry you at all? I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little bit, I don't know. My, I think my personal jury is out on whether or not I'm concerned about the toe. It, it, it's always kind of something with Derek White, but it, you know, there's mm-hmm. so much upside this year. What Would you... I don't know. I guess I have a couple questions here. Number one, are you at all worried about the toe? Would you would you take him here again, having that information? And uh, and I guess the third question is kind of what's the upside for White this year? Feels like it's pretty high. Yeah, look, the toe 
I mean, any injury at this time of year is a little bit concerning given that they haven't really done anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, that's true. Uh, and look, he, he tends to... Yeah, he he, t- he tends to get just little niggling injuries, so he doesn't. He's not sort of a player that that gets a mass uh, an injury that costs him weeks or, or months or anything like that. But he he is sort of known for injuries that will just put him out for four games, and then he's back for a few weeks, and then he might miss two games. And so it's a little bit concerning, but I would probably still take him here. Just I think there's a bit of upside there. Um, he was really good in the in the bubble. Um, well, it's not last year, last season. Um, and, and I mean, granted, <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that was without that was without um, a couple of their their sort of key guys. But I think I think both he and, and Dejounte proved that they're able to to um, be on the court at the same time and. Um, yeah, it was nice he, that they finally bothered after we yelled at them all year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and look, and and White, um, especially his perimeter game, he sort of showed that off during the bubble. That was an element that we hadn't really seen. Um, I think he hit seven threes in a game, maybe from memory. Um, and, and so, yeah, look, I, I think I think there's enough upside here for me to. I, I would probably take him there again. Um, and it's it's a pick that. It might pay off, it might not, but but we're in round six now, so it's um, sort of time time of the draft to to start taking a few risks. I think. Yeah, take a shot. Why the hell not? Uh, I like Derek White a lot too, and I'm I'm hoping we hear good things about the toe over the next. Oh, I don't know, week really, because we're we're coming up here uh, on yeah. <laughs> not long. Uh, your no. seventh round pick is featured in your Twitter bio, so I guess we should have seen this one coming. Uh, it yep. is. Hoopball's favorite from last year, Brandon Clark, and uh, you know last year he was number seventy nine by uh, by averages in only twenty one and a half minutes per game. What do you expect from him, just in terms of where he can take steps forward? What do his minutes look like this year? What does his usage look like? And then how does that translate to fantasy ranks? Uh, well, yeah, as you said, he he was um, he sort of finished in about the spot that I drafted him. So, so I would think that his floor would be what he did last year. I don't, I don't see any reason for them to reduce his role at all. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, uh, Triple J is going to be out um, for, I'm not sure how long, but, but to begin the season at least. So I think Clark will, will get a good shot at extra minutes uh, at least to begin the season, and and he doesn't have a clear path to minutes. I mean, let's be honest; they've they've got Valanciunas there and and um, and Jaron Jackson, so he isn't he isn't going to be the starter. Um, but if he can get his minutes even up to to sort of twenty five, twenty six, um, he can get his block numbers up slightly. I think I I just. I mean, as as you said, he's in my he's in my Twitter bio, so he, he's <laughs> he's one of my favourite players, and and um, part of that could be because I, I mean, I went to summer league last year, and that was the first time I'd ever actually seen any sort of NBA action live. Oh, sweet, that's awesome. Um, and he was he was really good. I mean, he got MVP of the tournament. Um, so so I actually saw he physically saw him play live um and so maybe my perspective is a little bit um biased <laughs> based on that fact but 
yeah, look, I, as I said, I, I think his floor is around that the the top eighty. Um, and to begin the season, if he can if he can play minutes sort of in the high twenties. Um, and, and sort of get a bit of rhythm going and that sort of thing, it'll be hard for them to then scale him all the way back once um, Jaron Jackson is back. So, uh, again, another upside pick, but I, I basically pick him in every draft that I'm in. So um, maybe it's a little bit high. <laughs> yeah, I wonder where – I can't imagine he would have lasted much longer. Maybe to the end of this round would be about as long as I think he would remain on the board. It couldn't be – like he's going – Right, he's going in the 80s, 70s and 80s this year, isn't he? Yeah, in most drafts. I did get him at 140 in one of my other what? drafts. And it was a it was a team that I I really didn't want him on because he didn't fit my – it was a head-to-head um, draft where I was punting big man stats and I really didn't want him, but he was there, so I had to take him um, at 140. Man. I don't know why he fell that far, but – Stars align, I dude. I guess if you put a dude's name in your Twitter bio, you just get it. Yeah. You just they get leave it. Alone. Yep. Looping back to the end of the eighth round or, or close to it. Again, you pick three here. So third from the end. And this is the one that you surprised the draft room, man. I don't think anybody saw this one coming. You went boogie at pick 94. Uh, sell me on this one. I mean, I know that his per minute production is crazy high, but is there does he have health? Is Is Houston... Too big of a dumpster fire or just the right size dumpster fire for him? Uh, explain yourself, Adam. Uh, it's hard because I surprised myself, actually. <laughs> I, um, I, it's, yeah, look, I mean, as you said, his permanent production is good. He's a he's a big guy that, that doesn't really hurt you anywhere. Um, he, he can hand out assists. And as Alex said on, on the pod yesterday, um, big... Big guys, big men that that um, can put up meaningful assists are, are pretty important. So that's one element of his game there. Um, if, yeah, look, I I think if he can at least if he can play minutes sort of in the low to mid twenties, I think he possibly returns value here. Um, he's not going to have a lot of pressure on him, um, given Christian Wood is likely to be starting and and sort of soaking up the bulk of the minutes there at centre. So. He, I think he's in a good position to just be able to ease himself back in, and and he's obviously going to have some motivation there, given the the last two or whatever it's been, two three years, um, where he's barely played or, or had an impact. So he he's going to be wanting to prove that he can still compete at this level. Um, so it's it's all yeah. I mean that's a, it's a risky pick, obviously, um, given his his injury history, but. Um, again, it's the eighth round. It's a mock draft. Let's just go with it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, your ninth round pick is a guy that I'd, I mean, I've been hyping him for too long, unfortunately, and then ev- then he moved into the the spotlight a little bit, and that's Jeremy Grant, uh, who, what is this? Is this 99? Yeah, this is pick 99 now. He was a guy that I had at kind of the, like, watch for next year list back in April when I figured Paul Millsap would be leaving Denver and they'd resign Jeremy Grant and then kaboom Jeremy Grant went and took 20 mil a year from the Detroit Pistons because he wanted to be more involved in their offense doesn't seem to care as much about winning I get it dude needs to make his money first then you can worry about the winning a championship stuff I mean it's great if you can do them both at the same time but not everybody in the NBA is quite so lucky to have those opportunities um Jeremy Grant is an interesting fantasy case study because he he is a power forward by trade 
but doesn't rebound very much, can hit the three ball, can put up decent percentages in both, generally not great, but certainly not terrible, and can block a ton of shots sometimes. So, you know, I was really excited about him as kind of a a sleepery type guy this year. I figured, you know, he was just going to play that backup role in Denver, and then the season was going to quietly end, and Paul Millsap was going to go somewhere else, and Grant was going to get elevated to the starting spot. And then he had a big bubble, played really well against the Lakers in the playoffs, went and got his money. Now he's got this feature role in Detroit, and I feel like no one, no one's sleeping on him anymore. Uh, so I round that very long uh, prelude here on Jeremy Grant to at 99. 99 feels like right in the middle of where he could end up this year. If his, if his offensive stuff is good enough, he could push up towards that 70-75 range. If, he's, if it doesn't pan out, if he loses some of his peripheral stats or the percentages suffer, he could fall back behind it. What's some of the thought process on Jeremy Grant? Is it just that like usage is value? Because oftentimes that's it's as simple as that. Yeah, I think it is with him. Um, it's uh, if he yeah if he plays. I mean, his health is generally pretty good. Um, he hasn't had a lot of injury worries through his career. Um, if yeah, so I mean, I'm sort of counting on him to play the majority of the games. Um, and a little bit like Cousins, he, he sort of, and as you sort of mentioned there, he, he can do a bit of everything. Um, doesn't really hurt you anywhere. So a good Roto guy. Um, and look, to be honest, I mean, a certain there's a certain element of risk in terms of other players around him. If, if he's he's got Rose and he's got Blake Griffin, both of who could play the majority of the season or could play 10 games each. Who, <laughs> yeah, who really knows? Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, that's going to have a, obviously a, a direct impact on his usage. Um, they have Plumley at centre and he's not a high usage guy. Um, well, we assume he's going to be the centre. They, they've got a lot of centres. <laughs> so. Yeah, they got <laughs> eight. You just roll the die. Roll a six-sided die and whatever number comes up. That's your centre today. That's right. So, yeah, look, I think he he'll get his touches and and he wouldn't have gone there you wouldn't have you wouldn't think unless they had given him some assurances that he was going to have the ball in his hands a little bit and he was going to be a prominent part of the yeah. the offense. Yeah. Um so, yeah, look, I mean, I, I think um getting him at 100 is is fine. There, there's room there for him to obviously beat that mark um and, and he is one of those sort of one of those guys triple one guys who can get you a three a block and a steal um per game so no nah, look i'm happy to i'm happy to get him there he, he he um does a bit of everything so yeah and one of the games i like to play with stuff like this is to look at the dudes that were drafted you know the next 10 picks or so after where you got grant how many of those guys have the chance to end the season better than Grant. I, you know, if if the Kings do something insane with their front court, I guess Hassan Whiteside, maybe uh, Aaron Gordon, if he continues to get six assists a game. Like, you're at a part of the draft now. Once you're at 100, you got to take some swings. And one of, the sw- one of the elements to taking a swing is look for a guy who's going to be on the court and, and do stuff. And this one, to me, makes a lot of sense. Like, there just aren't that many guys after this where you're thinking – okay, this dude is definitely going to play, you know, 30 to 34 minutes a game, and we know he can be good in that number of minutes. So that's why you see a lot of these other weird names flying off the board here. But let's uh, let's knock out your final round pick. We were talking about Sacramento a second ago. Might as well stay there. 
Marvin Bagley uh, at pick 118. How the mighty have fallen. This dude was getting drafted in the 60s and 70s last year. Wh- where is he really? Like, what? who is this player for real? Or do we, re- or do we just not know yet? I don't think we know. Um, and again, it's a, it's a pick. I mean, I haven't got him in any of my other drafts, so it's not one that I was prepared to make. I didn't have him on a queue or anything like that. I just thought, um, look, let, let's take a bit of a flyer. He, I mean, he doesn't. He's not. He's not as well rounded as the the last two guys that I've drafted. But he he can be um, a good source of points, which is tricky to get at the end of the draft. Um, I needed some rebounds, so he sort of fit the bill in terms of what I was looking for. Um, and taking a bit of a flyer there um, in regards to the the injury stuff, and and hopefully he can he can work through that. And and look, I mean, if he's if he's healthy and he's starting, um, he could be playing close to thirty minutes a game um, and and sort of scoring fifteen to twenty points a game eight rebounds. So, um, no, look, uh, I don't think we do know. I don't think he's been able to stay healthy long enough and, and form connections on the floor with, with any one player. So maybe this is the year that, that he does that. Um, we'll just see, but 10th round, whatever, really. Yeah, again, another guy you know is going to be kind of a focal point. Which percentages is the Marvin Bagley we get this coming year? Because his rookie year... Uh, he went 50 from the field goal uh, mark and 69 at the free throw percent mark. And then last year in his abridged, you know, 13-game pre-bubble suspension injury season, he was at 47 from the field and 81 at the free throw line. If I, I know that you're, like, mixing and matching to look for good or bad, depending on how we, we take this, but if he ends up as a 50-81 field goal free throw percent guy, it seems like his value could really take off pretty quickly, uh, especially when you consider the fact that he has only played 25 minutes a game his first two years, and he's at about you know a combined one and a half steals and blocks. So it, I don't know. He strikes me as one of those guys that could rocket boost from top 150 to like top 90 without doing very much at all, or he could fall farther. So I get it. There's some risk there. Which one do you think we're getting? What what is the mirage? What is reality with him? Oh, I think it's probably a, a combination of sort of in the middle. Um, I, I would think that his field goal percentage could get closer to fifty. I, I don't think he'll get to fifty, um, but sort of, sort of maybe, maybe forty nine, forty eight and a half, forty nine percent free throws. I, I would love for them to be over eighty. I'm not sure if that's sustainable. Um, it was a very sh- small sample size last season. Um, but but maybe up towards sort of mid seventies there seventy five so um, look I think he'll be better than last year um, and and I mean I mean I don't remember back to drafts specifically last year but he was going possibly in the sort of in the sixties or the seventies yeah. last yeah, season exactly so. And, and he hasn't, in terms of his on-court production, he hasn't really given us any reason to think he can't do that. It, it's it's purely injury stuff for him. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's again, it's health. If he stays healthy, then he should. Um, he should be an easy top 100 guy. Yeah, I would think so as well. Uh, Adam, just quickly here, we've got like two minutes left before I let you go. Um, just in terms of the weirdness of this season, is there anything you're doing differently to prep for this year. I know you're like 
arguably the hardest working guy in fantasy sports, but just like strategically, what are some of the things that you're keeping in the back of your mind? Or I give you the other option. Do you try to wipe a lot of that out? Because it's, it can be confusing to try to balance extra things as you're going into a draft. Uh, it can be a bit confusing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself doing more roto drafts this year. And I think that mm. I think people are just um, giving roto a bit more of a go because of the uncertainty of the season. Yes. And, Come to um, the dark side. You, Join me. Yeah. You love that. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I'm actually, I think I'm in more roto leagues than, than head to head this year, which is odd for me. Um, and so when I when I do my head to head leagues, I punt all the time. That that's just how I draft. Um, so doing roto drafts is a little bit different. I've, I've had to to sort of modify my strategy a little bit. And I so I listened to you spoke to Eric earlier, and you spoke to Alex, and and a few things that they mentioned, and and that I've noticed that I things are that I've found myself doing in drafts, which. Um, possibly a little bit subconscious, but um, when I look at who I'm drafting and that sort of thing, I I try to, and, and Eric had mentioned this, I try to always pick guys who are decent in percentages. So I, I don't, um, I won't draft. It, it's more, for me, it's more about players that I, that I avoid rather than players that I target. Mm. Um, and so I avoid those percentage killers um, early in the drafts because they're they're pretty tricky. I mean, if you if you sort of if you take a big hit in in either field goal or, or free throw percentage early in a draft, it's tricky to make up ground at, at the back end of the draft because those categories are, are normally volume dependent. So if you fall behind in free throw percentage, you're not going to get a guy at the end of the the draft who shoots 90% but actually gets to the line eight nine times a game. So um, I think. Trying to avoid um, percentage killers is is good. Um, I like that. That, I, that. that sort of simplify. You know how I love to simplify the game and taking a few guys and just sort of moving them off to the side of the board is really it's a simplifying act. It makes draft day easier because you just it's less things you're trying to juggle at any one time. And you also know how much I love percentages. So I'm glad that this is. I love that this is a topic that keeps coming up. It's it's. Uh, it's just such an easy way to walk into points in Roto. If you just don't kill yourself in them, you'll yeah. probably be top four in both, even without targeting guys that are really good at them. It, it, they're just they're the forgotten stats in Roto because in head-to-head there's so much random variance that, that people kind of ignore them. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've absolutely found myself doing that. And um, so, I mean, it does rule out a couple of guys early, like players like, like Andre Drummond and, and even Giannis for me, I don't I don't typically draft him because of the the hit you take in free throws, um, and I would then and it's not as not as relatable with other other categories, but I would then find myself chasing stats later in the draft, and that that perhaps um, limits your ability to to take players that you should be. So I mean, if you ch- if you're chasing Say steals, for instance, you might have a, a guy who who comes up in your rankings because you go, I really need steals. I need to take this guy here at at the expense of these other five guys who I should be taking above him. Um, 
so I just chasing stats in, in Roto is is tricky and some stats are obviously harder than others to get and percentages is one of those. But three pointers, for instance, if you fall behind, it's easier to get threes at the back end of a draft. Yeah, yes, um, it is. But points. And I was just going to say as evidenced by the fact that the guy that went right in front of your Marvin Bagley was Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Yeah, so that's right. And Batans is sort of down in there and 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 even guys like Seth Curry, that sort of thing, they're they're going late in drafts. And so you can pick up some stats late, but others, um, if you're chasing them, um, it can just limit um, your options uh, at certain picks and you can perhaps miss out on on guys who, who would be a better fit um, if you hadn't I love unintentionally it. punted a category early. Yeah, the 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 accidental punt is one that I've stepped in a couple of times. The purposeful one in in roto, I almost I I, I try to avoid. Uh, Adam, outstanding as always. Let's do this again um, sooner than usual. I think if it right now because we're actually nineteen hours apart instead of seventeen, it does it actually makes it a lot easier because normally like right now I'd be. It, it pre daylight saving for both of us. I think I'd be getting in my car right now to drive the nanny home. So we we wouldn't have been able to make this time work. So we're gonna have to maximize the uh, the appearances between now and like the end of February or whenever it all flips back. Uh, he is the great Adam King at Adam King ninety one on Twitter. Don't forget that number at the end at Adam King ninety one. He's the assistant managing editor for us at Hoopball. We're lucky guys here. Uh, enjoy your Brandon Clark, Adam. I'll talk to you soon. I will. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> and that was our buddy, the great Adam King, here at Hoopball. Very, very lucky to have Adam on board. A terrific fantasy mind and one of the hardest workers in the NBA landscape. That's what you want on your side. That's the guy you want for advice. That's the guy you want sort of fighting with you. On, uh, on the fantasy front. The uh, two things that I mentioned at the beginning of the show on the hoop ball side, they are, uh, one of them is for us and one of them is for you. So I'm going to do the for us first and then the for you after that. The for us, of course, is the fantasy pass. It's $4.99 a month. $4.99 a month. Here's, here's where I stand on that. First of all, it has the Brewski 150 updated again today. Aaron is cranking away on that thing updated again today the brewski 150 it has the entirety of the draft guide which now by the way uh the draft guide is so darn packed it has uh it has the points leagues projections loaded in there now dynasty ranks uh both sorry both fan tracks and cbs point leagues and auction values so it's got all of that stuff loaded in there now this is critical critical depth charts projections uh, the Roto Balance app to use while you're drafting, punt strategy, head-to-head strategy, auction strategies, you name it, it's got it. It's all in the draft guide. Uh, it also has the DFS pass, which starts tomorrow. DFS games start tomorrow with the preseason. So, yeah, that's pretty damn sweet. That's a two ninety nine a month or a one ninety nine a month value that's built into the fantasy pass, basically for free. And all in-season tools. And this is all under the one fantasy pass heading for four. 99 a month tonight i was talking to my wife earlier today before she went to work and we were trying to figure out what we were going to eat for dinner tonight and one of the thoughts was well should we just order in should we get some greek food and we thought yeah maybe that could work you know the, the toddler likes the the likes the steak or likes the uh the meat 
from that restaurant around the corner. And then I thought, well, this actually makes a great discussion point on today's podcast. Because if we opt not to order in from the Greek place tonight, which, by the way, we will eventually. So don't worry. We'll support our local local businesses here. But if we opt not to, and instead I make, I don't know, some sort of noodles and pasta sauce kind of thing, that's a difference in cost to our family of probably about 25 or 30 bucks in one night. You see where I'm going with this, right? I want all of you to do that one time this month, between now and the end of December, when you were thinking about ordering in, instead, make yourself something and think, oh, I just saved myself, I don't know, $15, $20. I'm, an, I'm a family, so we saved 30 40 bucks. You can get yourself a fantasy pass for the whole dang season for that. Call it a big win. You make yourself food. takes a few minutes. You clean it up. Get yourself a fantasy pass. Four ninety nine a month. Hoop-ball.com. So easy. Hoop-ball.com. Click on the fantasy pass ad right there on the homepage and start your subscription today. The hoop ball thing that's for you guys is the return of the Brews letter. Oh, yes. We'll be talking about it on tomorrow's show. Aaron Brewski will be popping on with us for our Friday episode. Right? Tomorrow's Friday, isn't it? Yeah, tomorrow's Friday. Uh, we'll be talking to Brew about the Brews letter on tomorrow's episode, but it is officially back. I have word as of yesterday in the evening. Brew agreed to do it again this year. Uh, last season, for those, many of you signed up for it. I think some, like, 2,000 of you signed up for the Brews letter last year. And it was a beast, man. He was writing eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 words in an email newsletter. But here's the, here's the kicker. It's only available on the email news list okay so you have to sign up for the hoop ball email list and you get the bruise letter when it comes out it's not on the website you can't go to a link it's not gonna be on twitter it's in none of these places the only place the bruise letter goes is via email to your inbox and you can sign up super easily it's a bitly link so uh, bit.ly or as it been made fun of before bitly slash bruise letter 2021 Really easy. Bitly slash Brews Letter 2021. It's spelled like newsletter, but with a BR instead of an N at the beginning, and then the number is 2021. Bitly slash Brews Letter 2021. Sign up right now. Make sure you get the first one, which is coming later this month in December. So you haven't missed one yet. And if it takes you 24 hours to sign up, cool, you still have missed it. We're going to be posting the link around on social media, wherever we can get it. This is your chance to sign up uh, for the Brews Letter. It, I mean, it's. It's going to be Fantasy Nuggets every time it comes out. He stays up all night on Sunday evening and pumps that thing out. Uh, and the, the first one this year will be coming later this month, later in December. So uh, get on that newsletter right now. Big thank you, as always, to our Spartan sponsors here on the Fantasy NBA Today podcast with mybookie.ag and manscaped.com. I'm not going to inundate you with all of their stuff today. Uh, but suffice to say, if you sign up at mybookie.ag, hit me up. We have a promo over there that might get you a few bucks. Oh, yes, you like the free bucks, don't you? Hit me up. My DMs are open on Twitter. Again, that's at Dan Bespers. Mybookie.ag is the website. But bug me if you're thinking about signing up because I, I think I might have something for you. Manscaped.com promo code is HoopBall20 to get 20% off and free shipping. That is your show on this Thursday. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you once again to the wonderful Adam King. Tomorrow, Brew and the weekend coming up on Friday's edition. This was Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.